Welcome to the Missing Chapter Podcast, where you will hear some of the least known, obscure, and entertaining stories the history textbooks left out. Starring Phil Horander and Phil Schaff. Hey, Phil Schaff, you love talking cars, right? Yes, sir, I do. Almost as much as I love talking movies. Well, good, because on this episode of The Missing Chapter, we're combining the two passions into a fan-favorite top five. You good with that? Oh, I love it, and we hope we all do, too, when we bring you the top five iconic movie cars of all time. Welcome to The Missing Chapter podcast, everyone. Let's get to it. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome back to the Missing Chapter Podcast. I'm Phil Schaff here with Phil Horner. Phil, before we get our episode started today, let's talk coffee. This is given to us by a good friend of ours, Justice Parker. Uh, the Adventure Blend from Nally Coffee, established in 2021. It's sweet, it's mellow, it's caramel. It was delicious. So thank you uh, to Justice Parker. And this was from Glenville, New York. So if you're around Glenville, uh, make, sh- make sure and stop by. Yeah, you know what? I, I feel like coffees are almost becoming like microbrews in New York State in that you have more and more local ones popping That's up. That's true. Which we are all four. Yeah, absolutely. If you're, if you're thinking about creating and, and brewing your own coffee, just let us know. I tell you what, and you, you probably can hear this through the, the sensitive microphone here. We just set the big bag down. Um, but yeah, man, it smells amazing too. Yeah, and you gave us whole beans that we were able to grind right here in our classroom. And you know what? It's really good. Delicious. Yeah. Um, so listen, Phil, th- we've had this on the docket for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I, I re- I'm really excited about this one. Number one, I think anyone who's a listener of The Missing Chapter knows we love our movies. We love, I love cars specifically. Right, I'm a right. big car nut. So this is a, a very exciting episode yeah. for us. Yeah, we're talking top five, your top five, my top five most iconic movie cars. Now, the caveat here, because I, I struggled with this, we did not include TV. Correct. Maybe that's a follow-up episode. But I this believe had it to will be, be strictly yeah. the big screen Hollywood movies. Yeah. So there were a couple I was forced to leave out. The other thing, Phil, I want to say is, you know, I am a little bit uh, older than you. Yes. Okay. And I think this is a generational thing where you're going to hear my list. And, you took and you're the words have right out of my listeners mouth. listeners being yeah. like, oh, yeah, I remember those. And then your <laughs> list is is younger, you know, generation, younger listeners are going to be like, oh, yeah, those are the ones that immediately popped yes. into my mind. Yes. Without so a doubt. we've got both covered here. Yeah. And it's funny because this was one of those rare, rare episodes where we actually have a shared doc. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we brought our top five. And then before we aired this, we're like, all right, let's just see how we compare. Right. And, and I did state claim for lack of a better phrase, there was one in here where I said, all right, can I, can I do this one? Yes. Cause it's immediately what popped into my mind. And, yeah. and I'm sure some of our listeners are like, yeah, it's going to be on one of their lists. And yeah. it is, it's there. I know which one you're thinking about. 
and I'm not going to make you wait too long either. That's true. So we're, we're going in completely random order just so we've done with our other top fives. Absolutely. Um, but I, I love the fact that there is there is differences here. Yes. And, and Big I time. think there was there was one where we were both like, oh, yeah, we have we have to include that. Right. But I think we're going to have a part two to this because there's so many you could choose from. Immediately, I think it was either season one or season two. We did top five uh, war movies. Yes. And we left a couple out, obviously, because it's, it's a top five. You right, can't fit everything right. in. We had some angry emails. <laughs> and <laughs> I was thinking to myself, like, listen, if we don't include certain movies, certain genres, um, we're going to have some angry emails to answer to. So we yes, tried correct. to do our best to cover all these while still being true to our own lists. So, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I I think you're going to hear the passion come out of us, too. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it, when you talk movie cars, when you talk movies in general, there's yeah. there's a, a level of nostalgia. You can you can picture yourself in the movie theater or watching or re-watching those movies over right. and over again. Friends, family. So there's, there's, a, there's a nice level of comfort when it comes to reading off this list, too. Absolutely. And before we get to our list, I do want to uh, uh, wish my father a happy birthday. I know it's October. He had a, uh, a birthday in late uh, September, but we weren't you know, doing live episodes. So Absolutely. Go ahead and, and wish my dad a happy birthday. And, uh, and uh, I think he, he is one of our biggest followers. Absolutely. So oh, yeah. This is certainly an episode that, um, that he will appreciate and enjoy too. Awesome. Well, happy birthday. Um, so Phil, do you want to take the, the first one? I think so. All right. I think so. I, because I said, I'm not going to make people wait. Okay. And um, good friend of ours, uh, Matt Hans, he and his sons, uh, Zachary and Matthew Hans, love 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 cars and in particular are obsessed with this movie so this is for them before the delorean became synonymous with the back to the future trilogy in the 1980s it was the brainchild of john delorean who dreamed of putting his stamp on the auto industry and i just want to give you a little bit of background as to who you know john delorean was he was the youngest division head in general motors history he knew the power of well-designed cars but instead of continuing to make cars for general motors he broke away and created the DeLorean Motor Company, the DMC, to bring some of his dreams to life. This new company would end up creating the DMC-12, more casually known as the DeLorean. In 1981, when Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale first began to write the Back to the Future script, they had a reconfigured refrigerator film as their time-traveling device. <laughs> Think about how different that movie would have been with that. By the time production for the film began in 1984, thankfully, the refrigerator had been replaced by a DeLorean. So for filming purposes, the film's crew had three specialized DeLoreans built, and they used all three throughout the films, <clears throat> with the primary one used now on display at a Hollywood museum. And as the film only made minor adjustments to the vehicle, John DeLorean is still considered the person who made the Back to the Future DeLorean. See, I, I actually wanted to do an episode at some point about, you know, automotive icons. Mm-hmm. You, you got to include John DeLorean in right. that. Now, I had mentioned to you that I was doing the DeLorean. You said, yeah, one of the negatives, one of the drawbacks of the DeLorean is that it didn't have a really fast, it wasn't able to accelerate very quickly. Right. The car is made of stainless steel. Right. I mean, right. It, it's, you know, you either have to have a lot of power or you have to have a, a very lightweight vehicle to go fast. And that had neither because it couldn't get out of its own way. So two of the modifications that they did make to the DeLorean for the filming of Back to the Future, they replaced the motor with a Porsche engine. Yep. And they also had to replace the speedometer because uh, Jimmy Carter had actually passed laws capping speedometers at 85 miles an hour. And we know how fast does it have to go? 88 miles an hour. 88 miles an hour. So for those three extra miles per hour, they actually had to replace it with a modified speedometer as well. I never knew that. There you go. That's why I love that. See, this is why we do this. That's why we do it. And I, I... 
so when we first started having this conversation about a top five iconic mm-hmm. movie cars episode, it was actually the DeLorean that was number one on my list. And I think I, I had think, to imagine. I kind yeah. of staked claim to it. As soon as you mention it, I'm like, I'm doing the DeLorean. <laughs> well, I think that was I, I mean, I know we talked about this being a generational thing. And mm-hmm. I think you'll probably get that when I give you my first one. But I think on everyone's list, the DeLorean has to be has on to be there, there, right? Come on. I, I would think so. Yeah. Okay, so here we are for my number one. Now, once again, this is completely randomized. Um, for me, my generation growing up, I could still remember going to my Uncle Bruce's theater, who, who owned a theater in Amsterdam, New York. Uh, a couple of buddies of mine go uh, to the movie theater and, and watch the first Fast and Furious movie in 2001. Now, I know your take on the Fast and Furious series. I Listen, <laughs> I'm going to be honest to everyone listening. I've never seen a single <laughs> Fast and Furious. Well, you only got 10 of them. I know. Uh, get to it. But so the original Fast and Furious kicked off the street racing franchise that would eventually evolve into this huge, massive blockbuster series. Um, really unbelievable customized cars. And, and if you weren't into cars going into the movie, mm-hmm. you were probably the one speeding off racing on the way home after the movie. And I can certainly remember that's that's where my affinity for customizing all that really um, it, I've always loved cars, but this is the series that really got me into, it like, makes sense. you know, yep. really getting my hands dirty. So what I, what I envision is if, if I had all the money in the world, um, I, I would love to have some collectibles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, one of those collectibles would have to be the, the, the main character, of course, Vin <laughs> Diesel, but Paul Walker. And just like any sort of memorabilia that you own and unfortunately if the person retires or if the person passes away what happens to the memorabilia right the price goes way up and that's certainly the case with paul walker uh when he passed away i believe it was in 2014 which is uh, unbelievably shocking and heartbreaking the way he passed away um but his supra the toyota supra which i think is one of the most iconic movie cars but also one of the most iconic cars of all time and it really starts uh, this affinity for import cars, importing from Japan, and just the import scene throughout the country, specifically in downtown LA. And it, it, it spreads like wildfire. Um, and, and when you take someone like Paul Walker and have that connection, that emotional connection to him, to his character, Brian O'Connor, uh, Brian Spillner, as his alias is in the movie, the price is gonna skyrocket. So in 2021, um, and if you just for inflation in 2021, the car sold for 550,000, which would in today's prices be about $601,000. That's unreal. Uh, unbelievable. And a lot of people are actually going into auction houses and buying Supras, uh, which aren't even, you know, right. Paul Walker's obviously, uh, but recreating it to look like the 2001 franchise, which I just think is, is an incredible, um, feat and proof that it is certainly a high, a very iconic historic car okay here we go next on the list once again completely randomized order uh the next one for me phil is i know we talked about generational um cars and so forth and this this goes beyond my generation i'll tell you that but it's one of the most iconic cars uh it is the 1968 ford mustang gt390 from the bullet movie in 1968 of course starring steve mcqueen um, you know, Robert Vaughn and this car has a lot of history involved in it. Um, there were, there were two movie scenes, but of course, Steve McQueen being the icon that he was, I think that's gotta be part of this list. Uh, the movie was incredible. It was a huge blockbuster hit. Now, how about this? The car was, there's a lot of stories behind the car and we did a James Dean episode about, about the Porsche that he drove. 
Um, but Steve McQueen's car is pretty, pretty amazing. So that, that bullet Mustang is kind of like, you know, a, a stripped down version of a souped up Mustang, which a lot of people would say, well, why would you want to strip something down and make it look more basic? But that's, mm-hmm. that was kind of the, the grit of the movie, Steve McQueen. And you have like the driving gloves and it was just really iconic. And I remember watching that with my dad growing up, the, the car was eventually found the original car, uh, and it was sold in 2020 for ready. $3.7 million uh, adjusted for inflation. Today's 2023 price would be $4.19 million. Wow. Wow. And that would be my <clears throat> second car for the top five. What do you got for us? My second car, I think people are going to really remember, enjoy, and we're going to switch gears here, no pun intended. We've talked about cars that are cool, cars that are fast, cars that are stylish. Where are you going with this? But if you want to get to Wally World, Phil, what kind of a car would you need? Well, I'll tell you. You're in the 1980s. You're taking a station wagon. Oh, no and way. And you have Clark W. Griswold behind the wheel for National Lampoon's Family Vacation. Now, so I'm going to talk my next one, the famous Wagon Queen Family Truckster in the 1980s movie National Lampoon Christmas, or excuse me, National Lampoon's Vacation is based on an early 1980s Ford LTD wagon. And at the time, the LTD and Crown Victoria trim was Ford's top of the line wagon and would have had the same street cred, all right, as an expedition would have had today, though maybe not in, in metallic pea green. But, <laughs> it, you know, again, it's, it's hard to believe, but I can remember station wagons prior to Absolutely. the SUV days, prior to, you know. Um, Do you remember the reverse seat in the way back? Yes. No yes. seat belts. No seat belts. Flying around and bumps. And, and this one, I think, just it, it's so iconic. Yeah. Um, so the Wagon Queen family truckster was a far cry from the blue sports sedan that Clark Griswold ordered. <laughs> you know, even his family was stunned when he drove it up. And they did um, do some modifications. Uh, the 1983 Crown Victoria Wagon was the most expensive version of Ford's full-size car, the LTD. Ready for this? It was $10,000, a little over, brand new. Okay, came with the AM, FM radio, cassette deck, all those things you needed. Now, what they did to um, modify this for the movie, other than the metallic um, pea green color, they put on tons of wood paneling. Yep. Yep. Um, They put some grills on the front and the back. They doubled the number of lights that it had. (laughs) Ford at one point, Ford executives actually said we were glad they covered up the Ford emblem. And oh, that wow. people didn't think it was necessarily for. <laughs> oh my gosh! But the beautiful thing, I think, the the car salesman, you yeah, know, the immortal words of the car salesman as he makes this this sale to Clark W. Griswold kind of, I think, summarizes the overall feel of of this one on my list. Quote: If you think you hate it now, wait till you drive it home. <laughs> <laughs> Well played. Hey, you know what just got me thinking? Yeah. So as you were talking, I just looked something up. Because as you were talking about uh, the family vacation, the National Lampoon's vacation, I immediately, when you first said it, I didn't envision that one. I envisioned the Christmas vacation. And and I almost made the mistake and went right to the Christmas vacation one. I know it. So as you started talking, I'm like, oh, he's not talking about that one. He's talking about the the National Lampoon's vacation. So I actually just Googled this. And what a parallel. This is so cool. My first car um, in, in our top five was the Super, right? Okay the Fast and Furious franchise. What did the Fast and Furious franchise do in that one of the first scenes? They drove their Honda Civics underneath semi-trucks. Look at that. 
Now we go to Christmas vacation. Opening scene. Opening, opening scene. Opening scene. Um, you know, Clark Griswold takes a takes the the wagon that 1989 mm-hmm. Ford Taurus wagon underneath, and I that was I know that was historic too, obviously because in in some of my research for certain cars, that was one of the cars that they said redeemed Ford um, because they wanted something that could you know go off jumps and stuff right, like that, and, right. and still have that family vibe at the same time. And when you think about it, Phil, that entire movie was filmed on the road. So that car was the setting essentially for <laughs> the entire true. movie. That's true. And the thing took a beating. Yeah. And, it had and, to, it, and it in it the had process, to. it, you know, it, it also took care of, you know, some dogs and some grandmothers, <laughs> but, um, Christmas you know, trees, Christmas and, yeah. trees, definitely an iconic car. So Phil, my next one, I'm going to a movie that is kind of known for its cool cars, okay. um, but it's, it's well before the days of, you know, Paul Walker and Vin Diesel. Um, cool in this respect, we're talking Harrison Ford cool. Oh. Okay. Before the days of Han Solo and Harrison Ford, the George Lucas iconic car movie, American Graffiti. Oh, well which is done, one of sir. my yeah. one of my dad's favorite movies was American Graffiti. And it's just it's such a collection, not only of cool cars, but of really cool actors and actresses before yeah. they got their big breaks. So it's got a slate of future stars. It traces the coming of age of some California kids uh, through the trials and, and travels of work uh, growing up in the years of Vietnam and hot roading up and down uh, America's boulevards. Yep. I mean, such a, an iconic portion of American history. So the movie also had a very young Harrison Ford as Bob Felfa behind the wheel of a 1955 Chevy looking to dethrone local champ John Milner in his deuce coupe. So the end of the movie had a just a, a, an amazing drag race scene um, that if you're not familiar with this, you definitely need to go to YouTube and and watch it. It's just, it's such a great portion of, of cinematic history. Um, Given its history, the appearance of this custom um, 1955 Chevy 210 clad uh, entirely in black. Yep. You know, he's considered kind of the, the quote unquote bad guy in the movie. Um, I thought we'd uh, add that to my list and the car it sells today right around $85,000 to $100,000 wow. if you can find a nice one. Um, it was uh, treated to uh, a restoration. It was black. It originally was yellow. Um, oh, but really? the, the other iconic car in the movie was also yellow. Yep. So they had to come up with a different uh, shade of, of color. And they said, well, listen, if he's the one kind of looking to dethrone you know, this guy, it should definitely be in black. Yeah, without a doubt. So it's just it's it's a great dragster movie. It's where George Lucas decided, hey, this Harrison Ford guy in American Graffiti, we're going to look to make him, you know, someone down the line in Han Solo. And it's also where Richard Dreyfuss got noticed um, by a young Steven Spielberg for the movie Jaws. Wow. So wow. a lot of it's it's kind of the precursor to a lot of these big names in big. I'm impressed. Big roles. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah, especially because that era. Those two cars and that drag race scene, that's really what started the, the hot rod. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you have the era of the 30s. You know, you have you have guys starting to take fenders off to make it lightweight. You have, you know, the modifications of engines. And that really didn't happen prior to right. that. And then you 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 seep into the, the 50s, especially like the 55 Chevy is an iconic car. The 56 Ford is one of my dad's favorites. He has one right now. The 57 Chevy is probably one of the most iconic cars right. of all time. And you so, think of the 50s as a decade. It was it was a car decade. But it was more of, you know, 
high school dances, yeah, drag yeah. races, or just simply you know driving up and down the road, yeah, and just kind of like that that very um, idealistic time in American history Americana. leading up to the 1960s, which was a little bit more rough, absolutely you know, for the country. Yep. Oh, that's that's a great one. So my next one. Uh, so there's a lot of a lot of controversy. I don't know, maybe not controversy, but there's a lot of I would say discussion around what version of this car mm-hmm. uh, would be the most iconic. I think I'm going to have to go with the original Batmobile. Ooh, now okay. original Adam West Batmobile. Yeah. Okay, so you're going original, yes. original. Now, right. if it were my choice, I think I would. I would prefer if I had to cho- choose between all the Batmobiles. Mm-hmm. I would love the Michael Keaton Batmobile. That's what I grew up with. The 1989 Batmo- uh, Batmobile. Um, you know, the long, the, the flame coming out of the end, it just, it, it, all of it was just the coolest thing I've ever seen growing up. Mm-hmm. But the iconic Batmobile airing between 66 and 68 spanned three seasons. Uh, the Cape Crusader, he fought against the Joker, the Penguin, Dr. Freeze, and his trusty ally, Robin, and then the Batmobile. So here's a little trivia. It was actually a 1955 Lincoln Futura, and it was heavily modified, of course, to become the Batmobile. The time it took to build... 15 days, <laughs> 15 days to make this. That's amazing. Unbelievable. And it costs about $15,000. Mm-hmm. Now for us, it's like, oh my gosh, you can't buy a used car for 15 right. grand nowadays. But in 1955, that was a significant amount of money. But here's the catch. It just sold for $4.6 million at auction. All right, Phil, here we go. Next car. Uh, I think you're going to appreciate as well. I'm sure I will. We talk about, we talk about this movie a lot. We reference this, this movie a lot. Uh, it's the Ferris Ferrari. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, this, listen, <laughs> I, before before we came on, I said, all right, what's your next one? You're like, do you honestly want to know? And I'm like, never mind. No, I don't want to know. <laughs> but this, yeah, this is a great, great choice, Phil. Yeah. And yeah, of course, once again, I know we keep saying it, the generational icon, but it, it is. It's it, just. This is cross- like generation, yes, I think. Yeah, 100%. This, yep. So to give a little bit of history behind this, according to Hollywood legend, the director, John Hughes, he just he couldn't see a real 1961 Ferrari 250 GT California Spider destroyed. And of course, the expense. So he instead opted for a 1985 Replicar. Mm-hmm. Here's the catch. Doesn't drive. Really? Yeah, doesn't drive. Well, if you remember... His dad didn't drive it in it either. Right. He just wiped it with a diaper. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was constructed by Medina Design and Development, and uh, they called it uh, a Ferrari. Okay. Very crazy. Because they knew it was going to be, uh, you know, not not movable. Um, but they had to capture the look and feel of the real Ferrari. Mm-hmm. So the special effects team. Um, you know, took shots of, of the car, but they actually used shots from the Jaguar E-Type, the, the uh, Fiat 128 Spider, and a VW Type 3, and merged all of those special effects together to create those scenes where he's actually, you know, racing it or whatever. And easily, you know, all of these movies, it's amazing because these movies have great actors, great actresses, great you know, plots and some, you know, yeah, to them, but the cars, line, the cars yeah. are so integral to them. It so. is, it is. And and that's a perfect segue for the one I, I'm going to uh, talk about right now, now. And I'm wondering if people at home are like, come on, they're now, not going to leave these movies out. And I'm, I'm not going to. I'm sure you, I'm sure you got it. Cause I have, I have a couple in my back yeah. of my head. Now I'm just thinking to myself before we move on to the next one. Oh, by the way, that faux Ferrari, uh, the one you can't drive, 
just sold for $337,000 at auction. Um, Did they but, actually destroy it when they when it went backwards out of the... It was one of those cars. It okay. was either that E-Type, the Fiat, or whatever. But I wonder how many people tried that, you know, jack the car up, put it in reverse. <laughs> put it in reverse. <laughs> didn't work in the movie. No. Probably didn't work in real life No, either. it didn't. All right, what do you got for All us? All right, so... Here's a de- here's a movie that that has many debates to it. Okay, if I mention Phil the the, the name James Bond, oh, who oh. is your favorite James Bond? And you're going to get a, a variety of different responses. Me personally, there's no James Bond greater than Sean Connery. Oh, yes. so we're talking Sean Connery in 1964, Goldfinger. The Aston Martin DB5. It's going to be hard to now, beat. Yeah. Just an amazing, amazing uh, classic automobile. So I wasn't the only one who really appreciated this car. In fact, it turns out that Sean Connery, two years prior to his death, bought himself a 1964 Aston Martin DB5. And even though it was black, he actually had it painted, ready? Snow Shadow Gray, which is the exact paint that his model in the British secret agent movie was painted. And that one went for $2.45 million at auction. Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to the Missing Chapter podcast. We're here after the break doing our top five most iconic Hollywood movie cars. Um, Phil, anytime we do a top five, that's usually when we get our biggest feedback from our audience. So Correct. the missing chapter podcast at gmail.com. Feel free, jump online, let us know what we got right, what we got wrong. We still have one, one left out of our top five uh, that we're going to share with the viewers. And mine's a little bit different, I think, but if you're familiar with this movie, you'll dec- definitely recognize it as, as worthy of being on the list. I'm going 1983. And if you are a, an aficionado of horror movies, you know no one does it better than Stephen King. Mm, Especially Stephen sure. King in the 70s and the 80s when he was at just the, the pinnacle of his writing and those books becoming movies. But I'm going to go to the movie Christine. Ooh. Yeah. And it's, I mean, the main character in this movie is in fact the car. The, it is the main character. Christine was a 1958 Plymouth Fury. It was a hard top with automatic transmission. It was a two-door red and white car with vinyl and cloth interiors. And reportedly, King chose this model partly because it was less well-known and also not so much in the limelight yet, at least. And he imagined that the Fury would personify the wrath his story required of the vehicle, that it almost had a, a, a character to it. And he looked at it and he said, this is the character I'm gonna give this car and model-wise, boy, it, it looks the part. So he preferred that the flagship car not have a legendary reputation like the Thunderbird at the time. Yep. And he was looking for an old-school ride with a solid reputation, but more of a low profile. And we know if you're not familiar with the movie, I would highly recommend that you watch it. Um, and it's about essentially a, kind of a, you would consider him kind of a, an outcast, a nerd, buys this car, refurbishes it. And in the process, the car kind of takes on a life of its own and starts to change its owner's uh, character as well. And Not just for the, the best name, either. Yes. Just the name Fury, I think, personifies <laughs> yeah, the car true. itself. Yep. And um, it's a beautiful, beautiful car. Too. Yep. Yep. And it, it, on top of that, the way they redid it, every car, to me anyway, has like a look, has a face. 
You know what I mean? It just it, it personifies mm-hmm. uh, maybe the the person who's inside doing the driving, yep. and that's one of the, the one of the beauties of of iconic movie cars is they make it to fit the character, uh, or in this in this instance, the character is the car. Is the car? Yeah. Yep. Um, okay, so for my number five, I have to go back to year two thousand. Okay. And the iconic Nicolas Cage, Angelina Jolie movie, Gone in 60 Seconds. For those of you that are big fans of this car, I'm sure we'll get some emails on this one. Uh, my top one, granted, once again, it's not it's completely random, but I thought this deserved uh, this last spot here, was Eleanor, the Shelby Mustang GT500 that Nicolas Cage drove. And if we know anything about that movie, that's one of the one of the reasons why I've actually named all my cars um, after after female names because of this movie. And if any of you car aficionados out there, I know you probably do the same thing. But if you remember this movie, Nicolas Cage had a history with this car, and he basically said, "Hey, listen, we're gonna we're gonna do this huge heist um, and collect all these cars all in one twenty four hour period." But we got to wait till Eleanor is the last car because he's ha- he has a history, a pretty bad history with it. And the scene where he steals that car and drives through those streets, they they actually rarely speak in that scene mm-hmm. because they just want to hear the sounds of that GT500. And I just noticed actually on my list, I have two Mustangs on this list. My mom is a huge Mustang fan. She has one. So, of course, she's going to love that. I'm a Corvette guy myself. But um, the Gone in 60 Seconds Mustang gt500 that's the way to go it was uh sold at auction excuse me in 2003 for one million dollars adjusted to inflation to be about 1.6 million give or take uh now but listen with this top five Mm -hmm. let's get some feedback find us on social media facebook instagram um you know email us at uh this chapter podcast uh, at gmail.com, like Phil said, and let's get some feedback going. Yeah, some feedback from some of our students. New to 2023, uh, you and I are actually doing a podcast elective for some of our students, and we were telling them about you know this particular episode yesterday. I thought they had some great ideas of ones that we've omitted. Yes. And, you know, from the Ghostbuster mobile to Absolutely. the mystery machine of, of Scooby-Doo, right down to, you know, the, the car from the Blues Brothers classic movie. Yes. Uh, I, I'm sure we're missing more. So yep. like Phil said, let us know which ones we're missing. Let us know. And, and if you're on Spotify, uh, you know, with the new updated, there's Q&A, there's polls sometimes. So please utilize that. It helps us. Don't forget to subscribe and follow. And that helps us uh, target our audience as well. Thank you for joining us. And until next time. I'm Phil Horander. And I'm Phil Schaff. Another chapter has been added to the history textbooks.